0: I just want to welcome everyone, whether you're joining us in person or you're watching online. Man, honored to have you with us. And I also want to take a moment, as I do every single week, and just look into the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. We love, we love, we love having you guys a part of our church. And so come on, D-Town. Help me welcome my church family today. That's awesome. Well, we are starting a brand new series today called God First. Now, this is a a vision series where uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a part of Experienced Church, what's our mission, why do we do what we do, and who has God called us to be as his church And so I want to just, talking about vision, I want to start things off by taking a look at probably uh, the most famous verse in the entire Bible when it comes to vision. It's found in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Let's read it together. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Another version says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, where there is no vision, people don't know what to do with their lives. And if we don't have a clear vision for our lives, we won't know what to do with our lives. Now, it's interesting, the word vision in this passage of scripture is the Hebrew word, which was the language of the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word kazon. It always, always makes me think of a pizza calzone every time I say that, which sounds kind of good right about now, but it's not, it's the word kazon. And it literally means a dream, a revelation or vision for life. Can I just say that that we need to understand that one of the greatest things that we could ever possess is clarity and vision for our lives. And if we don't have it, we'll cast off restraint We'll chase after this thing or we'll chase after that thing. We'll grab a hold of this and we'll grab a hold of that, and we're not gonna be sure what to do with our lives. I love what the psalmist says about vision in Psalms 126, verses one and two. He says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed, like when God was active in our lives. And in this case, when God started moving in his nation, when God started doing something, man, it stirred something on the inside of them. All of a sudden, they had a clarity. All of a sudden, they had a a vision for their future. Then notice what the psalmist says in the very next verse. He said, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Now, it's interesting, that word dreamed in this passage of scripture, is so close to the word health, that when they translated it from Hebrew into English, the translators weren't exactly sure which word to use, health or dream, health or vision. But let me say it this way, that when we have a dream and a vision for our lives, that's when we're the healthiest, We're the healthiest relationally. We're the healthiest mentally. We're the healthiest emotionally. Like when you have a dream, when there's something that we're going after, how many of us know you can go through some things? You can put up with some tough situations. Like like you can go through some things in your marriage when you know, man, God called us together to do this. Like we can put up with some things. That we're the healthiest when we have a dream or vision in our lives. And a lot of us are battling things in our lives today And many of the things that we're struggling with or facing aren't really the main issue. The real battle is that we don't have any clarity or vision in our lives. Let's take a look at another scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. God says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, this is the day of Pentecost. And when God poured out the Holy Spirit upon his people, And if we didn't know what the next line of this verse said, we might think, and tons of people got saved when God poured out his spirit. Or revival swept through the nation. Or or, so many miracles took place when God poured out his spirit. And don't get me wrong, those things happen when God pours out His, His, his spirit amongst his people. But take a look at what the next line says. When God poured out his spirit, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In other words, we'll have a clarity for our lives. Prophesy, vision, dreams. Prophesy, vision, dreams. We'll speak it, we'll see it, and we'll think about it. Prophesy, vision, dreams. Dreams, And it's important for us to understand that what God wants for our lives is clarity, which is why we're going to take the next four weeks, the entire month of September to talk about vision, but but not just for the church, but for our own individual lives, too. How many of us know that the two go together? What God wants to do in the church, he also wants to do in us. Oh, and by the way, we are the church. The church isn't a building, the church is people. So this isn't just a vision for experienced church. This is a vision and clarity for God's people. This is what we want to grab a hold of. And so let's go back to to kind of where we started with that talking vision in in Proverbs chapter 29. I want to take a look at it from a a different Bible and take a look at it from the Message Paraphrased Bible. And just so you know, a paraphrased Bible is not a translation like the ESV or the NIV or the King James Version or the New American Standard Bible. Those are translations where they translate from the original language, Old Testament, Hebrew New Testament Greek, and they translate those into English. That's a translation, but a paraphrase is where a scholar takes the translation and he kind of puts it into his own words to help us get a greater understanding of what God is saying. And I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message Bible here Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. He said, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are the most blessed. I love that part. But when they attend to what he reveals, how many of us know revelation is only as good as we make it? Like God can reveal some things to us, but if we don't do anything with it, if it doesn't change our lives, if we never put it into practice in our marriages, into our families, into our own personal lives, how many of us didn't, it didn't matter. It's only as good as we make it, but if we'll attend to what he reveals, we are the most blessed. And this is the goal for our church, that every single one of us would find ourselves in this place where we're the most blessed. And how many of us know we're the most blessed when we understand what God has for our lives? And so what what do we do? Because I I think a lot of people are doing something, but it might not be the right thing. This can even be true in our, our spiritual walk with God. Like, we might think we're headed in the right direction, but it might not be God's plan for our lives. Uh, let me say it like this. We can be doing good things, but not necessarily God things. I'll illustrate it like this. Back in 2004, in the Summer Olympics, it was a pretty uh, just special Olympic Games because it was going back to the birthplace of the Olympics in Athens, Greece. Anybody else besides me love the Olympics? I know it's not Olympic season, but I'm, I'm just USA all the time. Come on, somebody, right? And my Chiefs lost, so we're going to go USA today. But I love watching the Olympics. I mean, I will watch events that I normally would not watch and i find myself like yelling at the tv even like during like synchronized swimming like i'm yelling at the tv for the us to win gold come on the winter olympics i'll even watch curling in the winter olympics i don't even know what that game is but like, come on usa put that big old sliding rock on the ice right in the middle beat them russians come on and so you, the U.S. does pretty good in the Olympics. We send probably one of the most uh, athletes to the game, so we should do pretty good. But I just love cheering on a Team USA. Well, back in 2004, we, we always send a lot of amazing athletes. But back in 2004, uh, one of the athletes we sent was just such the favorite. Like he was so far beyond everybody else. And he competed in the rifle competition. His name was Matthew Emmons. And he competed in the three-position, 15-meter rifle competitions where they lay down and then they sit and they stand and, and they, they shoot at the target. Well, something you need to know about the, these rifle shooters is it's more than just aiming the rifle and pulling the trigger. Like These guys are so precise. In fact, they have this ability that when they take aim, they have this ability to lower their heart rate to the point, because if their heart's beating so fast, it can mess, they can do what they, they, they call kind of jerk the trigger. It can mess up their, their shot only by like the, the slightest uh, amount. And so they have this ability to slow their heart rate and actually take aim and pull the trigger in between heartbeats so that they can be as accurate as possible. Well, Matthew Emmons was, I mean, he was just head and shoulders above everybody else. In fact, everybody else in the competition was already giving him the gold, and they were all like, we're just competing for the silver and bronze medal. Well, it came time for the event, and the first two positions had already happened, and and like predicted, Matthew Emmons was such, he was so in the lead that when he came to the third position, which was standing, all he had to do was hit the target which for these guys, I mean, they could probably hit the target blindfolded. I mean, that was such an easy thing for them to do. And, and so he comes up to the last position and he, he takes aim with his rifle and he, he, he lowers his heart rate and he squeezes the trigger and he hits the bullseye on the wrong target. And he went from the gold medal to the bronze medal as a result. In fact, take a look at his face after he realized what he had done. He hit the wrong target. He hit the target, but he hit the wrong target. Let me say that again. He hit the target, but it was the wrong target. And this was his face after he realized what he had done. Now, the reality is that many people in life, let me say it like this. Many people, even in the church, many Christians, even in the church, have that same look on their face, where we're hitting a target, but it's not the right target. We thought we went to school for the right thing. We thought we had the right career. We thought this relationship would do this, and we're aiming at something, and we're hitting the target, but we're hitting the wrong target. D.L. Moody said it like this. He said, Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. I just want to help us today to, to aim at the target that God has for us. This is so important, and you might have heard me say this before, but I think it's worth repeating, and if you're taking notes, you could write this down, and that is, everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose how many of us know we wanna be people of purpose? If we wanna have good relationships, we don't wanna just wake up one day, how do you have a good marriage? I don't know, I just woke up and had a good marriage. How many doesn't work like that? No, it was a lot of, a lot of hard work. It was a lot of dying to self. It was a lot of eat and crow. It was a lot of apologizing. It was a lot of God molding and shaping me into the spouse that he's called me to be. No, I know exactly how I got here. It wasn't easy, but it was worth it. And I know everybody ends up somewhere, but few marriages end up somewhere on purpose. And we're going to have a marriage that ends up somewhere on purpose. Now, how do your kids, end up thriving, and love the Lord, how'd that happen? I don't know. Just woke up one day and they just love the God. How many of you, it don't work like that. It was a lot of correction. It was a lot of training for me, then them, right? Learning how to be the godly parent. It, it, no, it didn't come with a manual, but it was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but, but God did what only he can do because I realized everybody ends up somewhere, but few families, few children end up somewhere on purpose. Come on, we're going to be people of purpose. And that's what this series is, is really all about. And I'm just trying to get our church, I'm trying to get every single one of us aiming at the right target, And so let me just go through some of the the basics of of who we are, starting with our name. Our name experience, because I get asked all the time, where did the name come from? Well, back in the day, just so you know, maybe you never heard this story, back in the day when we were praying and just to think about what should we call the church that God is calling us to start, I 'll never forget we were living in South Dakota at the time. I was working in full-time ministry at a Teen Challenge, which was the Christian Alcohol and Drug Rehab center that I worked for over a decade, working with men aging and older, coming off streets, out of prison. And I remember I was going through my, my Bible college, so I was getting up really early and going into the office to do my studies. Before my my shift started, and I'll never forget, I'm on my way about six in the morning on my way to the office to do some studying. And my wife, Justina, calls me and she says, Hey, I got it. I was like, Got what? She's like, I got the name. And she says, What do you think of the name experience? And if I'm just glad I was in my car by myself, I'm just saying, you know, I was like, That's really good, honey. Wow. Um, I held all that together and uh, maybe on my face because I didn't have to. And I just thought, you know what? Let me think about it. Let me, let me, let me pray about it. Let me just think about it. Uh, and it didn't, didn't hit me right away. And she said, I think we should not leave off the E and just have the X. Cause I just like how the, the X expresses it. And I was like, okay, I'm not that creative, but let me, it's six in the morning. Let me drive in the office. And, but I remember sitting in my office and I was getting ready to study. And I just had this, this idea. L- let me look up the, the definition to the word experience. Let me just go on that journey for a little bit. And there's multiple definitions, but I came to one definition of the word experience and it literally jumped off of the page, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because it's the reason we landed on this name, and that is the word experience, one of the definitions means to actively participate. And I read this definition in that moment in my office at team challenge by myself, and I knew immediately this was the kind of church that God was calling us to start. A church where people actively participated with what God is doing. And I called my wife Justine. I said, You wouldn't believe it. I think it should be called Experienced Church. (laughs) Ladies, wives, you know what I'm talking about. And she said, I told you. How many know husbands? Sometimes our wives are a couple steps ahead of us. That wasn't an amen. Don't amen that, ladies. (laughs) But how many of God had to speak to me too? God has already spoken to her, and God spoke to me, and And I love what the word, it's throughout the word, but I I love Psalms 34, verse 8, out of the Passion Translation. Uh, Maybe you're familiar with this. Maybe you've heard the the expression, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, I love this this version uh, of the the Passion Translation, I should say, uh, because that word, that that phrase taste and see literally means to drink deeply. Take a look at verse 8, Psalms 34, says, drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself. Man, that's the tagline right there. Experience for yourself. You might've heard about it. Somebody might've told you about it. Maybe there was a a loved one, a grandma, a family member telling you how Jesus loves you and he has a plan for you and he believes in you. But come on, experience for yourself the joyous mercy he gives. Experience for yourself. Man, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this is because I know what it's like to go through the motions. I know what it's like to to go to church and kind of punch the time card and go in one way and walk out the same and just kind of be more of a spectator than a participant. But when I experienced God, when I encountered his presence, when I actively participated, when I experienced for myself, how many of us know it changed everything? Everything. I went around and go, God's real. God's real. And they're like, yeah, I know. Kind of like my wife. Yeah, I told you experience. God's real. I know. No, no, now I know. You know why? Because I experienced it for myself. And so that's how we, we got our name. We want people to actively participate with God because it changes everything. But let me just remind us also of our mission here at Experience Church. And that's simply this: that we exist to connect people to a God first life. Not grow a church, not have a great online ministry. No, we exist to connect people to a God first life. In other words, we're all on this spiritual journey of pursuing God in such a way that he becomes first in every aspect of our lives. How many of us know this is more than just praying a prayer? This is more than just attending a religious service, but instead it's actively participating and pursuing God to the point that he becomes first in our lives. In other words, I would say like this, there's more that God has for each and every one of us. Everybody say more. Like I've been following Jesus now for for 24 years. I've been in full-time ministry for, for over 20 of those years, and I just believe that God has just gotten started with what he wants to do in and through my life. In fact, I want to speak that over someone today, that there is more that God has for you. There's more to this life than what you are living. There's more to this Christian life and following Jesus that you've experienced, and I'm just saying God is calling us to the deep end of the pool today, to come out of the shallow end, to maybe stop just dripping our, our, our feet into the water to jump in and experience for ourselves all that he has for us. Kind of like the old saying, if we got a pulse, come on, God's got a plan. And God wants to move us from where we are to where he has called us to be. Take a look at it, Proverbs chapter 16, verse three. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God. God first. Don't put your trust in yourself, put your trust in God. Then every plan you make will succeed. Come on, God first. And this has always been our our mission uh, uh, of the church, to connect people to a God first life. That's our mission. And then I also want us to know that we have four methods. Everybody say methods. methods. Four methods that help us live out our mission. Let me say it like this. Our mission is what we do and our methods is how we do it. Now, if you've been coming to Experience Church for any amount of time, chances are you might have heard these four things. But let me give us, give them to us again today. And uh, our four methods are simply to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. But this is this is the method. How do we how do we live out a God first life? Because that's a how I mean, that's a big statement. Like how do I get there. I'm so far from there. Well, it's these four methods? i work on knowing God, not just with my head, but in my heart. How I many starts with a relationship, which we'll talk more about that today. How many of about finding freedom? We do that in the context of relationships through our small groups. I'm gonna talk next week as we celebrate our 11 year anniversary next Sunday. I'm going to share some amazing things that God has, has done these past 11 years, but we're also going to talk about our second method, which is finding freedom through small groups that we're committed to community around here. We know life change happens in the context of relationships and, and then to the discover our purpose, right? We always say, I'll, I'll talk about that week three, the two greatest days in our lives that Mark Twain says, the day that we were born, the day we discover why we were born. That God's put things inside of us I think many of us don't even know are there. Or we don't feel qualified or we don't feel good enough and God said, no, no, I put that in you, right? I don't call it qualified, I qualified to call it. And then we make a difference. God's called us to make a difference that people are our, our pursuit, people are our passion. I don't know, people on our problem, they're our passion that God wants to use us to make a difference in somebody else's life. And if we'll go on this journey of these four things, all of a sudden, we, we like to say just that give us a year and just run the play. These four things go on this journey of knowing God in a deeper way, get into community, discover your purpose through the connect track and get on the team and be a part of the dream team, making a difference in the life of somebody else. And, and what you'll discover after a year of just running the play, you'll look back and say, man, look what God did in my life. Look what did God did in my marriage, in my family, in my own heart. And I might not be where I want to be, but I'm certainly not where I used to be. So over the next four weeks, we'll kind of dive into each one of those. But for the rest of our time today, uh, we're going to dive into that first one, which is to know God. And if you're taking notes, number one, to know God. And we would say, how do we do this? By giving my life to Jesus. Give my life to Jesus. Can I just say that, that, that Jesus is the answer to whatever we're going through? And if you if you come to experience church, I want you to know this is what we believe that Jesus is. The answer. For example, if our if our marriage is struggling today, man, we're gonna give you some tactics, we'll give you some things that you can do to have a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship. But one of the things that we're going to do is one of the strategies is gonna be how can you get Jesus as the foundation of your marriage? Because something just happens when Jesus is a part of the equation. Lives are changed. If our lives maybe seem out of control and maybe we lack purpose and and, and, and peace in our hearts. And we're going to teach you how to get Jesus at the center of your life. Why? Because Jesus is the answer. If our, if our finances are a mess, man, we'll give you a little Dave Ramsey. Come on, somebody. We'll help you get a budget. But even more importantly, we're going to help remind you and teach you that we're just a steward. And everything we have has been given to us from above. And we're going to teach you how to get Jesus at the center of your finances. I know the world has seemed crazy for a long time, especially these past four years, and everybody has an opinion, and everybody has a solution, but can I just tell us today, you know what our solution here at Experience Church is? Jesus. Jesus is the answer, that he's still the name that's above every single name. He's still the victor over everything that we're going through. He's still the one who can bring freedom no matter what we're facing in our lives. So here at Experience, man, we're just a Jesus church. We're trusting in Jesus. We're believing in Jesus. We know no matter what we go through, Jesus is the answer. And so every week I want to do my best to help every single one of us get our eyes off of everything else and to get our eyes on Jesus. This is why as a church, we will always make room for people to know God. It's why every single Sunday, every single service, at the end of that service, I give people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus. And I'll just say this, if you've already given your life to Jesus, at the end of the service, as we're praying, man, that you would join me in praying that others would give their life to Jesus in that moment. Maybe that person you, bought, you brought to church that day, that friend that you've been working on, or somebody else has been working on, we're gonna pray, God, do what only you can do. God, I pray that they would, they would humble themselves, they'd surrender and give their life to Jesus. And I also say, if you, if you don't have a relationship with with Jesus then. I want you to know that you haven't done too much, you haven't gone too far, you haven't blown it so bad that you can't experience the abundant life that Jesus has for you. But in order to know God, how I many we got to first give our lives to him. This is what we're all about here at Experience Church. How I many it's why we serve. It's why we give. It's why we have a correctional ministry, and we're in the, the, the correction center of Northwest Ohio. It's why we're in one of the 400 prisons throughout our nation. It's why we're, we're in the prison, the Belize the central prison, that others could know God, because Jesus changes everything. I'm going to close with our, our time together with a kind of a, a message that Jesus was, was preaching to a crowd. It's found in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 38. Jesus is speaking here, and he says this in verse 34. He says, then he, he being Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man, Jesus, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. Now notice in this, this teaching, in this passage of scripture, who Jesus called. He called the crowd, didn't he? Jesus had the crowd. He, he had people hanging out listening to his messages. And so the crowd was already with him, but Jesus was calling them to a deeper level. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but God is calling you to a deeper level too. I mean, God's not just looking for our attendance, He's also looking for our participation too. What, what good is it if we're aiming at something? We're, we're gaining the whole world, but we're hitting the wrong target. And Jesus was calling the crowd to a deeper level. And I just want to define what that might look like by, by, the, by two action statements. If you're taking notes, the first one would be this, and that is to surrender my life to his will and his ways. Th- this is the reality of what salvation is. Because if, if I were to put salvation into a single word, uh, it would be the word surrender. Like when we, when we decide that we're not gonna call the shots anymore, we're not gonna be in charge of our lives, that we were su- surrender control to Jesus and put him in control of our lives. And so the first kind of action step to go deeper from the crowd to, to experience all that God has for us is to surrender our lives to his will and his ways. The second thing that we can do is just to spend time with him every single day. Just to spend time in prayer, talking with God and letting him talk to us. And this can be uh, uh, in the morning where it's just us and God. It can be when we're driving down the road. I mean, this past week I left work and I just had, I just had a moment with God. I was just thanking God for what he was doing and just having this thanking him for my family and, and all that he's doing in my life. I mean, we just talk to God throughout our day. I'm just going to spend time with him. I'll get into his word and read his word. Let his word read me. And read us. Let God speak to to us. Just spend time with him every single day. And our walk with God might be at a a crowd level today. But I'm just saying God's calling us to a deeper level. And knowing him, knowing God is the first step in our spiritual journey with him. And some of us might not have a relationship with with God today. And I'm going to give you that opportunity at the the end of, of this message to give our life to him. Not to join Experience Church. We would love for you to do that, but the real goal, the real mission is for you to join Jesus. And there might be some of us here today, or maybe we're watching online, and, and you just have this sinking feeling in, in your heart right now that you know there's more to this life than what you're living. You know there's more that God has for you than you've experienced. Let me say it this way, that we have a God-sized hole in our lives. You know, you know one of the ways that we can know if we need salvation to know God in this first step, this spiritual journey that we're on is—is is we have this sense of emptiness in our lives. Come on, we can all relate to this. There's just something missing. For some of us, man, everything's great. Family's great. Works great. The Lions even won. <laughs> Miracles are happening. Everything's great. But yet I still have this this emptiness, like I just feel like I'm going through the motions. Something's missing in my life. I just want us to understand that hole can be filled. That emptiness can be taken away. I'm gonna close with this passage of scripture where Jesus made some incredible statements in John chapter 15, starting in verse five and also verse 11. Jesus said, I I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, like if we come to this point of knowing God, if we give our heart and our lives to him, then something beautiful happens on the inside of us. Something beautiful takes place in our lives. And he says this, and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Anybody ever struggled with that part of that verse? I mean, if we're really going to be honest, there's a part of me that goes, yes, I can. Yes, I can do something. I mean, that's half the problem. That's half the problem. I can make this happen. I can work harder. I can put my head down. I can put more effort into it. Anybody else ever struggle with a performance mentality? Man, I just work harder. I just grind harder. I just go in early. I just stay late. Man, I make it happen. Come on, I'm a church planner. That's, that was part, that's part of our thing. Man, I'm a church planner. We find a way. We make a way. We don't take no for an, exam, for, for an answer. Man, we find a way. It's what we do. And that's really good in, in a work ethic, but not in a relationship with Jesus. The truth is, spiritually, apart from him, I can do nothing. Maybe maybe you're just at a point today where you're done trying to make it happen on your own. I mean, we all have to come to that place. But he goes on to say, I have told you this. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. I don't know who needs just to grab a hold of that today. I've told you this so that you can do more for me. No, so that my joy can be in you. and that your joy may be complete. As I was praying this past week, I just felt like some of us have lost our joy. We've we've lost our passion. Some of us have been working harder than ever, but we're less fulfilled than ever before. It's because we're aiming at the wrong target. There's nothing worse than aiming at the wrong target, hitting the target, but realizing it was the wrong one. And the answer is living a God first life. The first step is knowing God. We'd know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and then we would make a difference. So today, I just wanna end with that first step, giving our lives to Jesus. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for your love that never fails. Thank you that you believe in us. Thank you that you have a plan for our lives. Thank you that no matter where we've been or what we've done you still believe in us nobody loves us the way that you do god thank you for hope today thank you for purpose today thank you for victory today thank you for strength today thank you for your presence in our lives today there was no one like you we just declare come on in your heart there was no one like you There's no one above you, God. There's no one besides you. You sit on a throne all alone. We just honor. We honor the name that's above every single name in this place today. And right where you're at, with every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're watching online. There's an emptiness on the inside of your heart. There's a void in your life. There's a God sized hole. We're going to give you an opportunity to fill that hole. And it's surrendering our lives to Jesus. Wherever you're at, if you need to give your life to to Jesus right now, would you just lift your hand to heaven? Come on, wherever you're at, here I am. Here's my life. I've been trying to fill it with this. I've been trying to fill it with that. I've been chasing this. I've been chasing that. Come on, God's calling us out of the crowd and into a deeper relationship with him and right where you're at would you just pray this prayer with me say god thank you for your love thank you for sending your son jesus to pay the price for my sin on the cross here's my life i surrender all to you god god forgive me of my sin fill me with your spirit show me how to live my life is yours in jesus name and everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all I did today. So-